This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Pride of West London podcast. Um, bit, bit of a bit of a bit of a strange voice for you for this intro. I think you've all become a little bit used to William Grant Esquire um, leading the way. Um, it's not always been the case. That's just um, I'm a bit lazy. I just uh, I, I let I let him lead sometimes. But tonight he's um, he's got other commitments. So uh, we loyal, yeah, loyal. So um, t- tonight we are deep, 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 deep in Thugby territory. Um, we're at the Cabbage Patch in Twickenham. I don't, I, think, I don't think there's anyone in the world that doesn't know the Cabbage Patch. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm surrounded by some of the, some of the usual characters. Um, we've got uh, Matt the Allard. Allard, how are you, Matt? Yeah, I'm very well. Just a, little, a very short walk here tonight to the pub that I guess is probably nearest um, Twickenham Stadium. But I've, I've never been here for that reason. Um, over the years, though, it's, um, it's, it's, it's you know, done a few good turns for me. I think um, there used to be a comedy club here. I think there still is, actually. There used to be a comedy club here, and it must have been almost 25 years ago. I saw a very young Eddie Izzard um, in his very early comedy days um, in the room above, above the patch here, which is now a nightclub. Um, there's about three different venues here. There's sort of a, 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 a nightclub thing going on upstairs. There's a music venue just through just through downstairs here, and there's another little room out back. So it's a very lively pub. A lot going on it. They've made us feel very welcome, and I, I don't see that changing for the rest of the evening. Although we're not rugby fans as such. Um, next up, we've got Martin, the Dutchman Holland. How are you, the Dutchman? I'm very well, thank you very much, David. Lovely to have you back on on the mic, so to speak. Uh, also a local here, which is which is good for me. Very convenient. Um, like like the Allard, I've come here for many things. Um, upstairs, very good music venue. If it wants to check it out, they've lots of bands, lots of sort of famous old people from old bands. If you're into that sort of bit, a bit of R and B, sort of nine below zero here recently. So well worth a visit there. Cheap, cheap and cheerful night out to see some pretty good music. If that's your cup of tea, local music, keeping it real. Um, the liberal, liberal Nick. He's had a he's had a very very busy week, and he's having a very busy day tomorrow. There's a certain by-election happening in Richmond. I don't know if anyone is unaware of this, and I think he's been pacing the streets, prowling. He's a prowling liberal. Uh, yeah, that actually sounds wrong, that. But you know, uh, so we'll we'll draw a quick veil over that. Do any of you know why this pub's called the Cabbage Patch? 
No, Liberal, we don't, Liberal. Because Twickenham Rugby Ground used to be market gardens and a cabbage patch before it became the rugby ground. Hence why the pub nearest the ground is called the Cabbage Patch. And that's my boring fact for tonight. Absolutely fascinating. <laughs> and, um, Savvy B, we have, we have the Sav. Sav, how the bloody hell are you, mate? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. And, um, more, more interesting stuff about the pub is that the, um, the club that Dutch was just talking about is actually called the Eel Pie Club, which has come from Eel Pie Island, which is just down the road. And as I always seem to do, I managed to plug one of my films when I come onto these podcasts. So we have got a, a film project starting in January about Eel Pie Island, which I'm really looking forward to working with lots of really lovely people, people who uh, started up the Eel Pie uh, Island Museum which is uh, at the end of Church Street, and that will be starting in January, February. Look out for that. It is really, really brilliant. Cool. Um, all of Sav's films are fantastic. Um, I'll give you the link um, on, the, on the website story. Um, and me, I'm, I'm Dave Lane, if you didn't know. Um, and I am still wheezing. I've still got this cough. Um, so if I splutter during the course of this, then um, you'll have to forgive me. Um, you, luckily, you're not actually physically close to catch it. So um, it's not bubonic, I'm hoping. I think it's just a bit of man flu. So um, let's go back to last Saturday, which was um, a, an all right display. It was frustrating. We, we, we was a, a catalogue of missed opportunities. Um, I think that's going to come across louder than clear. But let's go back to the, the terraces inside and outside the pub and listen to what the fans thought of Brentford's defeat to Birmingham City last Saturday. We, we tried a, what looked to be a new formation today, and that seems to have worked. It seems to have put up a bit, but we've still lost the game, although, you know, the, whistle, the final whistle is still not... Scared. There you go, the final whistle is gone, and we've lost the game. Um, I, I think we should, be, we should be disappointed that the, the performance didn't deserve that result, but uh, we continue to tinker around. We don't seem to be consistent enough, and what I would just like to say is to stick to playing the same formation, the same team, and let's try and run and see where we go from there. At the moment, I'm not entirely sure what the direction of travel for the club is, and it worries me is that uh, this goes on too much longer, we then do start to start scrapping around the bottom of the division. Uh, yeah, very disappointing. Uh, I don't think we deserve to lose. Uh, I thought, well, I've, I've been told that the penalty wasn't a penalty uh, from somebody who was on that side. And uh, I thought we made a handful of chances. Their keeper made a couple of good saves. Um, and you know, they just managed to walk out winning. We played really well. We had loads of really good chances. And we were just, just unlucky. The referee was a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Calling one time he calls someone out for time wasting. It's Bentley. That goalkeeper was oh I don't know. And then I don't know. He was he was just useless. Why is it that we play really well for the last 20 minutes of games? Couldn't they make it half an hour instead? You know. But they're a good side. They're well organised. And uh, I thought a lot of the time they were absorbing the pressure quite uh, easily. But. Uh, um, with, on another day with a bit more luck, that would have been 4-2 and we would have walked out of there thinking um, we're back on track again. But uh, they lack a little confidence at the moment. At, at that stage of that game, we were battering you, weren't we? Oh, I played, mate. I played. And you had your chances if you don't put them away. I don't know about the penalty. We're the wrong end of the ground for that. Um, but 
It was all Brentford, and Brentford should have uh, took the three points. But it's a good game for us because we obviously won two one. But to be to be fair. 2-2 would have been a really good result. I don't know if that was offside and I couldn't tell from where we were standing. But to be fair, you were the better team and you deserve, you deserve to get a point at least, if not the win. So, But then again, it's just, like I say, it's just about scoring a goal, isn't it? And we got the two goals and you got the one, unfortunately. Like I say, it, it's just a rubber grain. At the moment, you're having a really poor... You know, look, like I say, you're playing really good football, but as I was saying, play bad football and win, or play good football and lose. We've played like that against a lot of the teams and we've actually got a result or a draw or a win. So... We, we, I don't. Th I think it's just that, to like today. I think you had more endeavour. You had more passion, more wanting to win the ball, wanting to do everything. I mean, Birmingham was lucky. They, they're not very good at defending. I don't think, as it proved, like we say, you was unlucky not to get the equaliser. But that's what we've done quite a few games. So, for me to be in the playoffs is, is such a good good thing. But to, you know, you, you don't win nothing by being deserved to be there. It's just if you are there by just the results, isn't it? Um, I actually thought today, OK, started off the game a little bit dodgy, but then really sort of came into it. I thought the five at the back were working. We know why it's five at the back. There's a lack of, um, you know, personnel. Everyone's injured at the minute or whatever. And it's really hard in the, this division when you actually go down a goal and it makes you all start panicking. But I thought we did really, really well after that. And I thought, like, you know, really deserved, uh, really deserved to get, um, get an equaliser. Second half... Typical, you know, Birmingham came away, got an undeserved like 2 0. Then we came back into it. You know, I thought overall, I thought it was a good performance and we well deserved to at least draw, if not maybe edge that game. Yeah, it was, um, it was another one of them difficult games where actually, I, th I think, you know what, I think if we'd have come off a couple of wins or winning a draw, we probably would have, you know, put this one as, you know, say, ah, oh, played well and, you know, we had plenty of chances and um, we didn't get anything out of the game. But unfortunately, we've lost two on the spin. This is three now. Um, so two before this game and um, you know so it feels like it feels pretty rubbish that at the moment we are sinking like a stone so there you have it I, 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 don't, I think it's quite fairly unanimous I, I think most Brentford fans um, thought we were pretty unlucky whether you class unlucky as, as wasting a lot of chances or whether you just call that wasteful um, or whether you are kind of uh, glass half full or glass half empty. Um, I don't. I don't think, as you heard me say, I don't think we were a million miles away from getting something out of that game. Um, but interestingly, and I'll go to the Allard first because Allard seems to be our, our, our tactical guru. Um, there was there was a slight deviation from the norm. Yeah, I mean, we. It's, I, I don't actually think this was. Although this obviously played a part in the game, I don't think you can you can actually you know factor this in as being part of the result because ultimately we didn't lose the game because we we tactic, you know we changed and went to three at the back, which is which was the big change. Um, we you know we clearly lost the game because we didn't take the, the opportunities we had in front of goal, and that's got nothing to do with playing three at the back. But however, it was an interesting it was interesting to see something different and. Um, you know, I think I, I think you know you can you can say three at the back, but there's several different ways of playing it, and um, and you know we kind of I'm not uh, my main concern really is when you play when you go three at the back. I I feel it's all about you need to get you need to have good wing backs that, that can get forwards. Whether playing what I call an orthodox right back, who probably was the best guy for the job, and a and, and a centre back as your on the left-hand side, I, I don't know if that really is kind of what I would think as as, as how you use that system to its to its best. Having said that, again though, 
Um, both players got forwards. Both players had decent games, and um, you know, it wasn't. It, I, you wouldn't describe it as. I don't think, in effect, we were any worse or any better than we have been recently. Um, it was just interesting to see something different, and it'll be interesting to see whether we whether we carry it on. The Dutchman, would you say that it was a reshuffle, or would you go as far as to say that that was a, a full-blown experiment? One of the advantages of doing a podcast two weeks in a row, which I really do, is I can actually remember what I said the previous time. Um, and without sort of being psychic, I did talk at length last week about the constant change in the formation and whether we're really choosing the formation that we want to play or trying to shoehorn players in because we think they ought to play. And then, sort of, lo and behold, on a Saturday, we saw all the players that we actually all quite like and think are pretty decent players all shoehorned into yet another new formation. Um, did it work? It, you know, we, we let in two silly goals again, so you can argue that, that it didn't, but I don't think that was necessarily down to formation, more the way that the individuals played and carried out their marking duties and, you know, and why people at the other end didn't take their chances. But I still do have this concern over what is our, what is our best team, what is our best formation, and I'd like to know sooner or later what that is. Um, was it an experiment? Yeah, I think it was. He alluded to in the press that you know there's issues that you know, everyone wants to play, which is exactly as you'd expect and exactly as you would want. Um, you know, he said Barbe's unlucky. Yelen's just sort of been pipping him in terms of slightly more composure on the ball, perhaps. Uh, whereas Barbe gets forward more often, so they've got pros and cons for both of them. But to me, that read like an attempt to get them both in the team, and I'm not necessarily sure that's the right way. We'll we'll get on to Dean Smith, and I'll, I'll leave though, I'll leave the Dean Smith to our Dean Smith correspondent um, in, in a moment. But Gary Rowett, um, after the game, he he said some really positive things about us. He said that we'd um, well, I mean, paraphrasing him slightly, we we confused him a bit. We we changed his team up, um, and we, we we got out. And, and he, and he and he, I think he said something about if I, if I was a horse, I would have won the, the Grand National today. He think he thought he was lucky. He think he thought Birmingham City, you know, probably didn't deserve the three points. I, I, he probably wouldn't go as far as to say he didn't deserve one. Um, so the, the, the formation and, and, and our squad it, is it? Are we stretched now, or, or is this giving us different options and different way to approach certain games? I think it is. It is different options. I mean, what um, surprised me is not not that the five at the back was that was was just different to our normal way of play. The, the previous game, Blackburn, was again another really different way of playing because we had two out and out strikers in Josh Clark and Kai Kai uh, to play against Blackburn, and so we we've been. Dean Smith has been messing around with the team for quite a while now and he doesn't really know his best team which is quite clear because he keeps changing it but uh, I think with the the five at the back he actually tried that in pre-season if I, if I remember rightly so he's quite keen to get these these plethora of centre-backs which are decent that we've got into the team and this is his way of doing it uh, but I mean uh, I think <clears throat> the thing I'm slightly worried about is the nothing to do with the back line really it's the, the two um, central deep line midfielders uh, which I think was was a, a real problem uh, against Blackburn I think we should have we had too many people too deep against Blackburn and I think we, we were just relying on these two ringers lumping it into you know, our, our little front men but uh, I think uh, Woods yeah of course but I think United needs to move forward when we play in the callback uh, defensive midfield, he bombs forward a lot, an awful lot, and I think we look better with him in the side. So I think there's, there's still an option here, whether it's with five at the back, with three at the back, with whatever. 
that I think we need to release another player further forward. Nick. I'm glad Sav pointed out a bit about the defence and what's happened previously because actually our second goal against Blackburn um, against Birmingham on Saturday was a, a copycat of what happened against Blackburn as well. Um, and what worries me is that the same mistakes are being made over again. So shoehorning players into positions maybe isn't working. Maybe do, does have to do, does have to change it around. Go on, Max. Well, I, I, I was going to say the second goal was a set piece defending, so I don't think that particularly comes into the formation. Um, it was a, you know, a, but you're right, we didn't pick up, we, we clearly didn't pick up the guy on the far post. I saw that right from the moment the free kick was taken. I was, actually, I was actually happy that he was going to the near post until the bloke nodded it onto the far post. But, but we, I think we had one player marking two, two players at that point. Yeah, but isn't, sorry, but isn't, I mean, you know, I'm no expert, but isn't that a bit of a mistake to give away what was a copycat <coughs> goal? In two games yeah, running, yeah, yeah. and you've got to solve that problem. You've got to solve that problem out. So you know, sort sort out the sort out the the tactics and the defending before you mess around with the systems. Talk, talking of second goals, the more more I've seen it, the more I still can't work out why Brentford's so-called equaliser was chalked off. Uh, I, w- w- was there really a genuine offside there? I, it, it, it was I, offside. No, it, um, um, Hogan was offside, and he was interfering with play. Because it went past him and he tried to get a touch on it, but there's no way that he's not interfering with play. But he was in an offside position. You still reckon the referee's cheating? No, no, no. Again, I agree with Sav, and it's this new rule where because because Hogan made an attempt to to get the ball, then he was ruled offside. If he'd actually just stayed down and laid down and played dead, then we probably might have a case for argument. But as it was, Hogan actually did make an effort, and therefore, there under the law. The referee is right. Unfortunately, we already had one player down on the ground playing dead in the penalty area at that point. <laughs> a lot of the crowd thought it was the one who was flagged or side hits. A lot of the, the vitriol blamed the ref. But I think the ref got that one right, although I do think he got a lot of others, um, perhaps involved with Mr. Donaldson, slightly Oh, wrong. no, 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 he did seem to find it difficult to stay on his feet at times. Um, and a little bit of respect was lost for me for him for that. Although I guess that's what he did when he played for us. If, it, if, if you're saying it's a definite pen, which I'm not necessarily arguing with you, it's surely definite sending off as well. Well, the rules have changed this year, haven't they? So there's double jeopardy rules. So they're saying that the award of the penalty and a yellow card is now the agreed um, punishment for that, I think. So I think that's the right decision. Um, poor old poor Daniel Bentley after being called David all the time in the warm-up by Gillam didn't have a chance it seemed to affect his confidence for the first 20 minutes so, Gillam get the names of the players right you're reading them down off a sheet well at least it was a lovely sunset that's all I can say it was it was a pretty pretty special sunset um, we're gonna we're gonna wish well we're we gonna wish him a happy first anniversary or, or what Dean Smith the year in the job is it tonight tomorrow um, I think it's the 30th of November, isn't it? So um, I guess it depends when you actually listen to the podcast. Um, so, yeah, a, a year in the job for Dean Smith. Um, it, <laughs> do you know, it, for me, and, I, and you really should be able to make a decision after a year, but um, I, in, in a way the jury stood out, stood out for me. I, I, what do I think of Dean Smith? Do I think he's going to sort of clutch you know, um, the ball by the horns and drag us into the Premier League? If I'm brutally honest, I don't think he is. Um, do I think he's going to lead us into despair and drop down into the into League One? I kind of don't think he's going to do that either. I, he just seems like a, a you know a, a manager that is kind of you know doing a job. We're kind of treading water at the moment. Um, my main concern is the 
is how we end up on these runs where we, you know, we seem to. Well, I'm not concerned about where we win a load of games on the spin, but the ones where we lose a load of games on the spin. Um, he's a uh, yeah. I'm still. I'm. I, I, I sort of sit. I just, I'm still on the fence. Nick, your views. Bit, bit of a bit of stat here to to, to work out. Uh, in Dean Smith's league league record, he's played 48. We've won 18, lost 20, and drawn eight. That's that shows where we are in the table. I mean, and it you know it shows that Matt is right. He is a average championship manager, um, and I think it's quite interesting that you look at new managers coming into clubs and what they can do. <clears throat> Quite clearly, Steve Bruce knows how to fight his way out the Premiership because look what happened since he's gone to Aston Villa. Oh, sorry, sorry, out the Championship. Look, look what happened. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Freudian slip there, but but no, no, no. Because Bruce obviously knows, knows what's done. I mean, we all we all look at Rafa Benitez and Newcastle are on course for 100 points and 100 um, goals. And I, but apart from those two, there is no other outstanding manager I would suggest in the Championship. Derby have scrabbled around for people, Birmingham has scrabbled around for people, Leeds United, Gary Monk might just be getting it right, but you know, sooner or later the um, owner of Leeds United will find something wrong with Monk and throw him out and they'll go back to where they're going. Um, apart from that, there is nobody who offers, I would suggest, inspiration. Um, you know, so let's stick with Dean and let's remain as a mid-table championship club. So have you been? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there is another one. I think it's Chris Kewton. I think he's a, he's, a, he's a good manager. He took, he did well with Newcastle and several other clubs. He's he's done well in the Premiership, so I think he's a decent manager. Is, um, uh, is, but, is, is, is the Norwich gaffer not on this list anymore? Uh, apparently not. No, no. Uh, Nor- Norwich uh, are ripping their hair out and, and wearing sackcloth and doing ashes and all sorts of weird stuff over over uh, Alex Neil. Alex Neil, so, I mean, because yeah, he's been on a, a bad run. But that's what happens. Someone goes on a bad run. And it depends on what kind of club you are. If you're a Brentford and you're a, a Benham and you've got Dean Smith and he goes on a bad run, you say, he's doing all right, he'll be all right, we're okay. And then he comes out of his bad run, goes on to a really good run, and that's fine. Everything's hunky-dory again. Uh, but if a, if a club like Norwich do that, then they get, start to panic. The Dutchman. Um, isn't Dean Smith exactly the kind of manager we need at this moment? We're not, we're not, we're not in spending big zone, are we? Um, we're, not, we're, not sort of, we're not anywhere near challenging for a premiership place, are we? You know, in, in terms of our squad. It doesn't matter who's in charge of the squad at the moment. We're not going to be challenging Newcastle, are we? Um, are we just kind of biding our time? Is, is, this, is he just a holding manager for a, 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 a championship club in transition still? I think there's a bit of that. He, he could well be the right manager for the right time, and it depends on the, your aspirations and ambitions for your club, doesn't it? You, know, you, you can compare yourself to Newcastle because they're in the same league, or you can look down and compare yourself to Rotherham, who are on their 64th manager this season. You know, so how they, they'd love for a manager to achieve a year in service, and they'd probably love one that's won whatever it was, 18 games that, that Nick said. So yeah, I, I think that's right. I've, I've got nothing against the guy. He seems a decent guy. Um, you know, and I think he represents probably where we are. I think the challenges again will come. We'll probably touch on it later around transfers. You know, were we to lose the main goal scorer, which is everyone's fear, you know, and perhaps one or two of the others. Let's see how we 
we adapt to that. So I, I don't think he's done a lot wrong, but I think probably Matt summed it up when he said, you know, people aren't against him, but the jury's still awaiting to make a decision. They're waiting, waiting to make a decision, but it's undeniable that we are in a really, really shit run of results at the moment. Maybe, you know, as it's been it's touched on in the package earlier, we're not necessarily in the most awful run of form, but you can't, there's no way that you can dress up this run. And another four or five defeats, no matter how well we play, then we're going to be sucked into a relegation battle. You know, I, I don't think anyone that saw our performance in the last two games can say we look like we're in relegation form, but some Sometimes, all of a sudden, you get sucked into it, and the, the whole emphasis and the whole pressure it, it changes, and it gets to the players. You know, uh, can it go like that for us? Well, I want to just pick you up on something you, you said earlier, Dave. You talked about us being a championship club in transition. I, are we a championship club in transition? I, transition? I would think we're an established championship club now, and that's what we ought to be looking to do. And you know. We, we are looking to spend money and invest to, to, to push us back up into the playoffs rather than worrying about rather than having to worry about going to, down to League One so that again takes to the fact that I think Dean Smith will keep you in the championship I you know there are worse teams there Rotherham have gone already there are other there are other teams worse than us in the championship but we ain't going anywhere near the playoffs this year I, I'll, I'll explain what I mean by transition you know, I, 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 say, I use the word transition because we're clear not as good as the, the team that was the first season in, in this in this in this division. Um, I would I would probably argue that we're not as good a team as we were at our best last season. Um, and you know because because we've got you know missing someone like Canos um, and Judge at his best. I think you know I think when we were really good last year we were really good. We were bloody awful as well at stages last year. I think we've been a little bit above that this year in terms of our averageness. Um, I just don't see. I just think we're missing so many decent jigsaw pieces. Um, we're we're not. We, you know, we're we're still an established, comfortable championship team. But I, I say transition because we we seem to be rebuilding to try to get back to any some some semblance of where we were in year one. And whether that comes again or not, we'll we're we see. That's going to take some investment. So that's kind of why I use the word transition. But I think I don't. I'm not picking you up on that because yeah, I think you you know you, you're equally right. Too, you know, we, we do look comfortable. Yeah, it's the whole thing is kind of like. I mean, if I rewind a little bit to what we we're saying about Steve Bruce, is that you could go out and try and find a manager like Steve Bruce, but he, to be honest, he, I, I, I really don't think Steve Bruce would get a whole lot out of our current team. He would probably want to, you know, revisit the team. He'd want, he certainly, he, he'd, he'd want to increase the average height of the team and all that sort of stuff. That's, and, and, and actually, bizarrely. And, and I, I was thinking about this as you, as you were talking earlier. Is that it's almost as if you could? You, you, there, there is a blueprint to get success in the championship. Steve Bruce gets that blueprint, but it's not actually a blueprint to do much after you get out of the championship, because it, tend, it generally teams that, that that team then gets found out and comes back down. I think I think what teams like us and what teams like and the key two the two key teams that we've seen. Bournemouth and Watford, what they both managed to do was get out of the championship, not being identical championship teams, but playing really good football, up-tempo, exciting football, sort of football we, we, we are capable of playing and we have played before. And then they've actually, you know, and they're holding their own up in the, up in the Premier League. 
but, but some of the other teams that, that, that go with the, you know, let's call it the Steve Bruce identical way of getting out, big players, strong players, battle your way out, um, you know, that, 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 that kind of works to get you into the Premier League, but then does it, you know, does it set the stall? And so that means you've basically got to buy a team to get out of the Championship, and you've probably got to buy another team to be successful in the Premier League, and I don't think that's what we're trying to do. Looking at what we've learned as, uh, as football fans, and especially Brentford fans over however many decades you've been following us, is that um, sometimes it's just getting out of the divisions the hardest part. Um, adapting and coping in the highest division, in a higher division, sometimes isn't as difficult as getting out. I, mean, I think the Premiership would offer us a, a completely different set of um, problems, but... Um, you're right what you say about Bournemouth and, um, and, and Watford, they, but I think that they were lucky in so much as they were able to get out when their stock was high, when, the, when, when they were at their best. Another season, maybe, that, maybe it wouldn't have happened. I mean, I think we ought to be realistic about it, actually, and having seen now most of the teams, Norwich is the last one, isn't it, and Leeds will be the last two teams we haven't seen, is this, this division is pretty rubbish. There is no, there is no, there is no. Apart from Newcastle, there is no standout team who lost. Who lost at home on Saturday? Still? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, I think that was, you know, that was a blip, and they'll they'll probably smash their next opponent six 0 because Benitez will have told them what to do. Um, but the rest of the division, there's nobody setting the world on fire, and the standard of football, I think, is worse this year than it was last year. I don't necessarily agree. I mean, I agree there's no standout teams, but I'm, I'm not sure the standard's as poor as everyone thinks. I just think that's how it is in the championship. And I think when, when we were down in the lower leagues, you kind of look up and think there's this world up there of quality football being played and you know, fantastic teams. I'm not sure. I mean, we've been there. This is our whatever it is now. It seems like forever, doesn't it? It's only our third year. But you know, we've, we've held our own quite comfortably. And you know, I just think this probably is the same with those things. And occasionally you do get a fantastic team that comes along that clearly shouldn't be there. And Newcastle, are, they're not quite fantastic, but they're clearly the best of, of that bunch. But I'm not sure that it's a bad league. I just think that's what you need to be in the championship. But I don't think we're a million miles away. And I think it's kind of interesting to we're, we're going to invest in the team. Because I guess one of the questions is, are we? You know, particularly if we lose players, you know, are we going to invest? Are, when are we going to push? Is it this year? Is it next year? You know, when is the time that we really go for gold and go for that Premier bit? But you know, we're, we're certainly capable of getting out of this team. Sorry, getting this team out of this division. We, I don't think as many additions as we think. You know, we don't need 11 new players. It's probably two, three, four. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Dutch, and I agree with your, uh, Dave, your um, term of trans, uh, transition because. I think even Benham's said that um, we're, we're kind of just getting ready. We're getting contracts in. We're getting Woods on a four-year contract. We're getting Bentley on four-year contracts. We're getting Rico Henry on five-year contracts. These are all young players that we're building up and we're going to use, and Sawyers as well, and we're going to use um, Dean Smith's acumen in developing players, young players, to get a core of a team, add some real punch with it at a certain time. When we're ready... We're buying some players in because we're selling a lot. We've actually gained a lot of money. We're selling a lot, and we're going to, it's all going to come together in maybe next year, or the year after. So it's kind of a, a realistic and kind of a positive prognosis going forward of two or three years. Um, there's a few hurdles, and as Savvy just mentioned, um, selling the 
transfer window is looming. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's you know, we're, we're in December tomorrow. Um, we're a month away from shenanigans, and um, I think it looks like we're probably going to be losing more than we gain. So um, let's talk about the elephant in the room: losing Scott Hogan after this jingle. So. The transfer window is going to open um, just after Christmas, 1st January. Um, we, we know why, it's, it's probably no one else that's clearly going to go more than, uh, than Scotty Hogan. Whether he does go or not, we can keep hold of him, who knows. Um, Matt, talk us through what the implications of losing Scotty Hogan would mean to Brentford this season and is there anyone else you're expecting to, to go before we talk about incomings? Uh, okay, so if we lost Scott Hogan, the main implication is I don't think we've got anyone else that can play up front on his own. You might make an argument that Viva can, um, and um, and if you were slightly um, mad. mad, you might say Hoffman can. Um, <laughs> and, and, and when I say mad about Hoffman, I just mean he doesn't suit our game or the way, the way we play, so that's kind of why... Is that I, being I, kind? Um, that is maybe being kind. I, I, I think he's a... He, the, the, the attributes you expect him to have aren't necessarily the attributes he does have. Um, you would expect him to be strong in the air. He's not. You probably expect him to be not that great on the floor, on the deck, and he actually he hasn't got the worst touch. So he, he's, he's almost a bit. He's almost like a back-to-front footballer in some respects, Hoffman. Um, so yeah, I, I think the biggest problem is who would replace him. You, as I said, you could argue Viva. If Viva gets injured, I mean, really, who plays up front at that point? Uh, so if you're not going to, unless you're going to replace Hogan, um, it's a very dangerous ploy to sell him. Are you frightened of losing anyone else, or is there any areas where we need to lighten? Well, um, the obvious area where we could potentially lighten um, is centre back, mainly because if we, we, seem, we seem to have played. <laughs> The first time we played four centre back, all four decent centre backs, and they're all four good players, um, was when we went, you know, was on um, was on Saturday when we tried to, you know, shoehorn them all into the side. Um, so I, I think you can make an argument about selling a centre back and then maybe buying a younger centre back who's, who you won't need to play, but who maybe can come through in two or three years' time. Um, which centre back you're going to sell? I'll offer that to the rest of the table. The liberal. I'm not going to. I'm not going to answer which centre back uh, we should sell. That was a that was a leading question there, Matt. And I know what you wanted me to say. And I'm not going to rise to the bait at the moment. Show you bait. No, no, no. Well, you know, if one were to be really fickle, one would argue it would be Egan because he's given away two goals in the last two games. But that would be fickle, and I'm not arguing that at all in the slightest. Um, the one thing I would like to see is uh, the transfer window business conducted a bit differently. I think we need to get somebody in on the first day of the transfer window and then see what that leads to in Hogan going. Now, that will be a difficult one. What, what I really fear is that Hogan will go on the first day of the transfer window and we won't bring anybody in until the last day of that transfer break, and that's what I think. I, I agree with that. It's, it's, um, we, we did, I think we did talk about this last week very briefly. It was the fact that um, you, you show your intent, you get, you get a player in knowing that probably the likelihood of losing one, and it puts you in a stronger position rather than waiting for that player to go, then having to react and only choose what, who, who's available. So I, I think you're spot on. I think it's get, 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 your, get your business done quickly. In a, do your 
positive business before the negativity of losing happens? We did uh, exactly that with Button and Bentley. We got Bentley in and then Button was allowed to leave. And yeah, you're right, that is exactly the right way to do it. Uh, I don't know if we've got anybody on the on the horizon. Whether I'm sure, you know, we're a professional club. We know who, you know, the club must know who they've got in their sights. Uh, but yeah, I, I can see I can see him going. In terms of centre backs, um, we've got two young centre backs and one who is fairly young anyway. Uh, so and I think and we played them all on Saturday. I think the only way we'll get rid of a centre back is if somebody particularly wants one of them. If another team really, really wants one of them, we might let them go. Otherwise, I can't see it happening. We need to buy a forward regardless of whether Hogan stays or goes, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, I agree, positive rather than the negatives, but I think it should be positive regardless. You know, there is nobody in our squad that I'd like to see playing up front on his own if Scott Hogan was to go. And actually, there's not many people in our squad that I want to see playing alongside him up front on his own, if I'm being honest. I don't think what we've got will ever make the top grade for us and I think we should be looking for someone to play in that position either with or instead of Hogan and I still think we need to be looking for you know, a younger, better, fitter Alan McCormack um, because we miss that role, whether we miss the person but we miss the role and you know, I think we should be looking for positive business day one. Uh, I, again, you know, you can't really argue with that logic. Um, you know, something else that's probably going to end up being a, a weekly recurrence, and you know, it isn't Groundhog Day when we say this, but you know, the, the Brentford B team won won again um, this week, and it was an, imp- an impressive, impressive result. Um, there is there is talent emerging from there. Is is this is this the time to go? Actually, we we will to start start naming some of these players on, on, on the bench and, and start, start blooding them. Matt? Uh, yeah, I, the only thing I'm a little bit nervous of is that I, I do think the way you want to blood those players, and I think this is true in most sports, is you, you really want to put them into a team that's doing reasonably well. Um, I, I'm not sure you want to start blooding players when you, when you so say we lost against Norwich and there was a clamour for some of the, you know, I, I'm not sure that after three or four defeats you want to put them in, and you don't want to put them in on mass either. You just need to, you know, a bit like we put Clark in. He's he's come in slowly, a little bit off the radar. Now he's started to produce. Clark now feels like a first team player, and I think you know you, you possibly want to pick one or two to do that. Um, so you've got to be really careful with youngsters because they can lose their confidence very very quickly. Um, for some reason, the crowd. On more than one occasion, at Brentford, has liked to like to you know pick on younger players that have that, that, have, that have made their debuts at, at a young age, and um, and you know you kind of need to just just protect them a little bit from that sort of thing. I, I, before I pass the mic round again, I, I think um, probably the area that's kind of least least kind of recognised where is probably a weakness is a goalkeeper. I, I think if um, if Daniel Bentley were to get injured, we'd be in all kinds of trouble. That the guy is my player of the season so far. He has saved us so many goals this year. I mean, so many. I reckon we would have definitely conceded ten more goals this season without him. And then I, I'd say we'd be in relegation. I was going to say. I mean, I mean that is an interesting point. Actually, is that is that you're almost saying that you know Bentley is what is between us and. 
and, and being in the relegation zone or very close to the relegation zone, yet we've spent 40 minutes not, not, not saying that because we think we're better than that. But, yeah, when you do think about it, that is, a, that is an interesting point. Yeah, possibly. You know, I think I, 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 maybe, maybe I wouldn't go as far as to say without him we'd be in relegation. But our goal difference would be ridiculous without him. We'd certainly be in negative territory, not positive. No, I think we've had good goalkeepers for a while. I think uh, I think Button would have probably made those saves as well. So is it? Yeah, I do. I, I you know, not all of them. Uh, well, he might have made some of the other ones. Who knows? You know, but I think Button, Button and Bentley are both really good keepers. I'm happy with either. Just a thought, then I'll throw this. Do you think that there may, maybe that's one of the positions where the difference between League One and Championship is quite notable? Is is in the keeper? And, um, and, and, you know, this is the first time we played in the championship, um, apart from, you know, the year we all know about. Um, and maybe that is one of the big differences, that, you, that, 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 you know, there are a lot of good keepers out there. But, you know, you, you're asking players to step up from a lower league into a higher one. Uh, Bentley has done it in the most phenomenal way. You say there are a lot of good keepers out there, Matt, and there are, but there are a lot of very good foreign keepers out there. I, I, something occurred to me the other day, sort of I woke up in a cold sweat, that somebody actually might have a look at Bentley and make some come in with a large offer, one of the Premiership club. I mean, he'll only be a bench warmer, um, but, and look what happened to when Simon Moore went to Cardiff, etc. Did, did that actually happen? Did you wake up in a cold sweat I, dreaming of, of Bentley? I, I, I woke up in a cold sweat that Daniel... I would think losing Bentley would be worse than losing Hogan. Maybe not Daniel. Either. Either. <laughs> I must say, if we spend our transfer budget and the money we get from Hogan on another goalkeeper, I'll be gutted. <laughs> <laughs> OK, before, before we move on um, to, to play other, other players that you know, we, we might want to bring in, that's all, that's, well, I think we've done this before, but let's, let's stick a valuation on Scotty Hogan round the table now and explain why. Uh, 10 million. Um, I think he's. I mean, what did Khadija go for? 12? Uh, so, yeah, well. <coughs> and, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm knocking two, two off of Hogan because he's a little bit older than Khadija and he's, uh, he's had a couple of injuries. Uh, 8 million because Brentford occasionally roll over too easily. 15 million. He's got a year and a half on his contract. We don't need to sell him. He'll probably go if he doesn't go now. He'll go at the end of the season in the June transfer. If someone wants him now, make us a silly bid. He's not worth 15, but that's what we should hold out for now. Otherwise, let's all accept that he's going to go in June. Yeah, I th- I, I, I'm a Dutch. I would. I think we need to hold on to him. Um, so I would price him out out of the market for now. Um, the only slight danger of that, of course, is um, we tried this before. Um, with Judge and, and to some extent with Hotter and, and then you don't get your, your, your value in the end but yeah I kind of I, I, I hear what you, where you're coming from I would say yeah price them out of the market realistically probably worth 7-8 million something like that um, I think the only thing I would say about him is that teams will need to play to his strengths um, and that means that a number of teams will not be in the market for him because they would fundamentally have to play a different way 
but 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 a, a top half of the championship would be in him because that's the way that you need to play to get out this this championship as you said. Well, I don't. All I would add is I'm not even sure 50 million would price him out of the market. You know there are teams there desperate for that goal scorer. We all know the rewards that go with getting promotion to the you know to the Prem and teams like Norwich are obviously linked with him this week. You know they are desperate to get a goal scorer that takes them up. So 15 is probably way over what he's worth. Would it price all teams out of the market? I'm not quite sure. For me. And I, I, I can't see us turning down anything over 10. I think 10 is a ridiculous amount of money still um, for a player that's had two ACL injuries. Um, and I think the judge situation means that you know we know that it's one, one shitty tackle away from being ruined. And I think our whole business model going forward means that we're just going to have to take it and I, I'm brave I'm, I'm, I'm resigned to losing him in January if we, if we don't then I'm, I'll be happy but I think, we, I think we'll have to take the money while it's there I wonder are they insured well, I don't know if anyone around the table knows might be interested you know, what, what, what does insurance do in terms of those sort of uh, I think we've got third party fire and theft on him so I don't, I think, someone steals him or sets him alight we're covered I think, I think if it's an arson attack I think we're covered um, theft um, I'm not sure I don't even know what third party means what does third party mean uh, third party is if somebody else hits you something like that anyway <laughs> but, but I, I, I believe I read something possibly on the Besotted site uh, of Benham saying that he doesn't believe in insurance because it costs too much and uh, for the amount you have to pay out, the premiums are really high for, for players, and so it's, it's actually not worth it, so it doesn't actually insure them. Where there's blame, there's a claim. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, I, I, you would think, you, I mean, on, I think if there was, I would think that the, the insurance premiums on Hogan would be incredibly high based on, his, based on how many games he's played in the last, um, you know, two to three years. Um, I think, yeah, it'd be, it'd be like um, trying to insure uh, probably a, a 19-year-old that's had three crashes already. I think we need to check whether we've got PPI on him as well. I think that's, a, that's another consideration. I mean, there could be 20 mil worth of PPI payback on him. Let's go to comparethemarket.com. Other meerkats are available. <laughs> So, there was some absolutely awful news this week um, with a plane crash in, in Colombia and, and it affected the Brazilian team, Chapacoenza. Um, a team that it would, it would appear, I mean, obviously, we, no, no one's a, a, an expert on South American football here, but you know, we've, we've read the reports and, and, and we've heard it on the news, but a team that was very much come through the leagues, maybe a Bournemouth, maybe a, a, you know, a Leicester kind of um, situation, um, where... You know, the, the, the whole of that team, or pretty much the whole of that team, died in, in tragic circumstances. Um, Martin, you, you, you just mentioned there um, an example of how like, the world football community of you know, decent, right-thinking people have, have come together, and um, a few examples of just how, how football seems to have kind of put their arm around this club. That's one of those things, every time it's a football disaster, all of us football lovers that we all are, you know, always kind of feel a sort of real particular affinity with those, as we've done in the past with Bradford, Hillsborough, Highs, all those sort of things, and, and same with this one, you just kind of feel it because it's football, and, you know, the examples we were just talking about um, during our break was, you know, the opposition offering to give them the game, you know, so that they've won the title in tribute to those teams, um, how their rivals in the Brazilian leagues have offered to give them players for free, on loan, you know, pay their wages to help them rebuild. 
and how they're all voting, I believe, for a relegation freeze on them for three years to make sure that they don't go down during that rebuilding period. So, again, a lovely example of how whatever we think of fellow teams, football fans and football clubs, when, when times are hard, seem to stick together and pull together. So respect to everyone involved and obviously respect to all those poor people who are no longer with us. And another example of um, how so, sometimes social media can be negative, but also um, how it makes the world a far smaller place where we can come together and, and um, find unity and kind of um, compassionate, compassion and friendship with a team that we probably never even heard of until yesterday. Oh, exactly. And I mean, obviously there's, there's obvious... Um, um, Comparisons with the the Munich, Munich air crash and uh, how um, English clubs. I mean, this was like uh, Munich air crash is 60 years ago, and English clubs did exactly the same thing. They they lent their players to Manchester United uh, to help them out, you know, to help them rebuild their side. And it, it is it is about football fans. It's about the community. It's a it's, it's a truly wonderful wonderful thing. Uh, football fans getting together. When these things happen, it's an absolute tragedy. Absolute tragedy. Those players, their families, uh, that club, their community, their fans. But you know, us as football fans, we we can't do anything about it. All we can do is offer our sympathies and and wish them all, all the best luck in the future. What it proves is that there's more. As football fans, we have more in common with other supporters than divides us, and I think we should remember that at all times. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I think you know, for the, it, it was a relatively you know small community. If you look at sort of English towns with a similar population, you're talking about you know Luton, Rochdale, York. You know, this is this wasn't a big this wasn't a big city. Probably a lot of people knew a lot everybody. And let's not forget that as well as football players, there were journalists. Um, so that'd be, you know, that'd be journalists work, working for the local community newspaper, um, who all, you know, who are all unfortunately involved in this. So it's a, it's a very small community thing, and um, and, like, and like Nick says, you know, I think um, this really brings it home. But but in general, ultimately, we are all football supporters, and we're all of the same ilk. Saturday sees the championship bandwagon roll on. This time we're in Norfolk for the uh, for the Norwich City. We we got some good memories of Norwich. Um, Jack Reeves, not Jake Reeves, Jack Reeves, um, who's the um, editor of uh, Talk Norwich City podcast. He he spoke to us at the beginning of the season. He 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 was talking about how brilliant Norwich City were, um, and how they were destined after all this spending to go marching straight back to the Premiership. It doesn't look like it's happening at the moment for them. Um, they're in a bit of freefall. So let's listen to what he has to say about Norwich City's current form, what he expects to happen at Carrow Road on Saturday, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about what we think is going to happen when bees are on the road again. Over to you, Jack. So Saturday comes, and next on the menu are Norwich City, as bees go up to Carrow Road, hopefully to get one, if not three points up there. Renfrew don't be doing too well as of late. We had one win in the last, what, eight games? QPR, fair enough, which is actually quite a good result. But neither have Norwich been doing particularly well. So we thought, let's find out exactly what's going on in the Norwich camp. We'll chat to Jack Ree from Talk Norwich City. They're a blog, and they're also a video blog as well. And uh, he'll give us the news. Jack, how are you doing? 
Yeah, very well, thanks, mate. As, 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 as I said before this recording, life's good except uh, for, for Saturdays when I have to go watch Norwich. <laughs> yeah, it's not looking too clever for you guys. I mean, I think for us it's sort of slightly doom and gloom because uh, we haven't really had the results going our way. Like I said, we won one in eight. Admittedly, the QPR game was fantastic because, you know, you always want to beat your local rivals. But other than that, like I said, we haven't won a game. Same though, overall, our football hasn't been that bad. I mean, we've been unlucky in times and some terrible defending, but the football we've played has been decent. How about you guys? Yeah, yeah it's been very odd. I think the last time I spoke to you, Billy, was um, you done a little round-up of, of Aston Villa, Newcastle and Villa, I think. And at the time, I think we were top of the table. I think we were then about to travel to Newcastle. Um, we were 3-2 up at St. James's Park. With, it was the 95th minute. Uh, we were actually seven points clear at the top of the table, and they scored two goals in two minutes, and, and 97 minutes ago, and we're 4-3 down. We went to lose that game. They're now something like 10, 13 points clear of us at the top. Um, we're down to seventh. We haven't won in seven, eight games. We've, we've lost six in a row, um, and it has gone really, really badly. I mean, the football has been turned to absolutely dire. Uh, a lot of people want Alex Neal out. A lot of people turned against Delia Smith and the board. Um, it's not a good time to be a Norwich City fan. That's, uh, that's no, uh, easy it, to say. No, I mean, it, it doesn't. And it's interesting because when I spoke to you, I mean, you were quite confident, actually, that you were mm. going to go straight up. You also bigged up Alex Neal. You talked about mm. the fact that you kept the core of your team together, kept a lot of the players, and that's what actually got, got you where you were. And you even talked about the fact that you actually fielded a £37 million change team mm. in the League Cup. So you change your team, and so £37 million are pretty much kind of reserves mixed with first-team players, and you change it and you still won a League Cup match. So, I mean, that kind of shows you the strength and the buying power of Norwich City. But still, I mean, how has it gone wrong? Oh, it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, I, we did keep the core of the team, and I think that was very important. But two key players, Johnny House and Ivo Pinto, um, were ruled out with long-term injury. Uh, Pinto may be back for this weekend, but it looks unlikely. House is out until the new year. So you take them two players out, and that's a big, big loss. And then, obviously, the result at Newcastle a couple of months back was just a real kick in the teeth. And Sadly, it's kind of uh, problems reoccur, and the reason we were relegated from the Premier League last season was mainly because we couldn't hold on to leads. We, we, we went ahead in a lot of games, um, but we just can't hold on to leads. It's individual mistakes. Um, and two players you'll know very well, Alex Pritchard and Sergi Canos, we brought them in for a combined total of £13 million. Pounds, so a lot of money spent on them, um, and they haven't even really got into the team. Pritchard scored one goal, and that came in the League Cup. Sergi Canos has scored a couple and they are in the League Cup. But in terms of league stars, they haven't really played at all. And you would expect that players like that would be getting in. But then I could talk all day about what's going wrong. But it looks like there's a lack of real um, uh, real push from the board. The recruitment's been poor. Did we really need £8 million for it, John, or did we need another centre-back? It's not too sure. But it, it, we're basically in a very negative spiral at the moment just need you just feel if we maybe pick up a win it might start to turn again and, and it's interesting you say that as well I mean Brentford fans will be very interested to know about Pritchard and, and about Kennels mm. as well I mean for as far as we're concerned those guys would be you know pretty much the first name on our team sheet yeah you know, you know Pritchard 100% you know if he'd stayed at Brentford um, we would have built a team around him Sergi Kennels 
very enthusiastic, still very raw, but still, you know, what you do is that you work with these raw players and you actually get them. And sometimes you had good games, sometimes you had such not good games, but at least mm. he was getting games week in and week out at Brentford. And the fact that he's not getting games at Norwich, and to be fair as well, you're not doing that much better than we are at the moment now. You no. might be sort of kind of, you know, you're a few places above us and a few points above us, but uh, you're not doing that much great. And the fact that you can actually afford to leave them on the bench or not leave, put them in at all really kind of dumbfounds us. Yeah, it is very odd, and I think you're right in saying that, that Pritchard is probably, on his day, one of the best players in the league. I, I always, always go back to the game. I think it was 2-1. Um, you beat us down at our place a few seasons back, and Pritchard was just incredible. One of the best players I've seen at Carrow in the Championship that season. Um, and I think a big game for him, we, we, we went down to Brighton a few weeks ago. Obviously, it looked like he was going to go to Brighton, and then he pulled out last minute and came to us. So there fans are really on his back and he just didn't turn up. We lost that game 5-0. It was a crushing, crushing defeat. In terms of Sergi Canals, he had a couple of substitute appearances at the very beginning of the season and looked really decent, quick, raw. You know all about him. You know more than me, probably. Um, but I suppose Alex Neil brought him in as, as a man to, to progress over the next few years and maybe not throw him in straight away because we've got other players in them positions like James Madison, a, a really hot prospect who's lined up for Aberdeen. He's doing very well there. So we've got a lot of young, raw players uh, in them forward positions, uh, but I just don't think Alex Neil thinks he's ready enough at the moment. So, I mean, you're talking about Alex Neil. I mean, you said mm. you felt mm. at the beginning of the season that Alex Neil is a future Premier League manager. Do you still believe yeah. that's the case? I do believe it. I just don't think it's at Norwich City, unfortunately. Um, a lot of the big, the big question that everyone's been asking me and other Norwich City fans recently is, is it Alex Neil in or is it out? And I think, sadly, it's out. And, you know, I, I, it's very tough to, to, to put opinions on football nowadays because you're kind of stuck in this situation between short-term success. We need to get back into the Premier League to sort our finances out and make us a stable Premier League club and try and progress onwards. But at the same time... You feel that Alex Neal is a young manager. You want to give him time. Um, we're, we're, we're historically, we keep managers for a long length of time. I just feel that it's very tough because I think Alex Neal, long term, is a fantastic manager. and You just need to give him time through this rut. But at the same time, if you don't sack him now and these losses continue, you can just say goodbye to promotion this season. And then you really start to struggle to get back into the Premier League. So it's very, very tough. That's interesting. So you just basically feel it's 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 poo or bust, as they say. Like, you know what I'm saying it's your thing. If you don't go up, then he needs to go. Whereas some people might say, well, you know, give him another season or two to rebuild or do their thing if they actually believe mm. in him. But you're kind of getting to the mentality of a lot of teams where it seems where you you need immediate results. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a very it's a risky way to to run a football club. And our our annual general meeting annual annual general meeting was a few weeks ago. Um, and we basically looked at the finances. I'm no football finance man, but it basically shows that if we're not back in the Premier League within a couple of seasons, then we're really going to have a strain on the finances. We've got a big wage budget this season. We've still got Premier League players in that team. We spent a lot of money. I mean, not compared to Newcastle, Aston Villa, but we spent a lot of money on transfers, bringing Pritchard in, bringing Canos in, bringing Oliveira in. Spent about over £20 million. If you start to have them players in the Championship for more than a season you really start to struggle. So, you know, we've been linked with, players, with managers like Roy Hodgson, etc., and I don't want them at the club, but at the same time, you feel they probably would be able to turn results around and maybe push us up to them playoff spots and automatic promotion spots again.
Well, I mean, it's interesting you're talking about finances. It seems to me that, again, and this is one of the excuses that we've talked about, we're going to bring on ticket prices here, that Norwich mm. seems to be a club that kind of runs themselves at a bit of a kind of, you know, a very high outgoings rate. You know, you basically mm. seem to spend a lot of money. Um, it doesn't necessarily seem to reflect because you've got teams that are spending maybe a tenth of what you spend who are kind yeah. of similar or even higher and lower league position to you. So you've got to ask the question whether or not it's all about spending money. But just interestingly, and I'll say fair play to Norwich, um, there have been one team who have been hammered by us and other mm. teams in the past for their expensive away ticket prices. Mm. Whereas uh, some people feel, or some teams will charge, should charge fans expensive tickets. If they charge you expensive tickets, then your team should charge their fans expensive tickets when they come down to you. We don't believe that because we don't feel that the fans should actually pick up the flack for mm. what your club does. But to be fair, this season Norwich have bought their ticket, season tickets or their tickets down for away fans down to 30 quid for us anyway. It's 36 yeah. quid last time we came there, which uh, ironically is the price that we'd have paid if Norwich had stayed in the Premier League and you had exactly, Man United yeah. and Chelsea and Arsenal come down. Um, I'm just wondering how do you feel about this? I mean, I think it was uh, the Leeds fans that came down a few weeks ago. I think they actually had to pay £40 to, to watch their team. And the, it's, a, it's a really sad thing because the likes of Leeds, clubs like Newcastle, Norwich City know that they will sell their allocation up. So they can charge 40 quid, 45 quid if they wanted to, and they could still sell their tickets out. Um, obviously, you, you guys are spending 30 quid. For me, that's still a hell of a lot of money to watch a championship fixture. Like you said... Away tickets are capped in the Premier League, so I could have watched Norwich away at Arsenal for 30 quid, and you guys are coming down to Carroll enough to pay 30 quid. So it's tough, but at the same time, when we are running on such a tight financial budget, you do look at Norwich and go, if I was in the, in the position of Ed Balls or whoever's setting the, um, setting the ticket prices, would I bring them down or would I leave them at the maximum amount to, to, to sell them all, bringing the most amount of revenue? So it is a tough position to be in. But if I was you spending 30 quid, I wouldn't be happy. And I've spent a lot of money on away tickets this season. I've been home and away, haven't missed a game yet. So uh, I, I certainly feel the strain. But it's, uh, you kind of have to look at it from a football club point of view as well. You do. I mean, there's a flip side argument saying that maybe if they just spend a little less money and still bought in quality, then they'll yeah. do all right. But did you actually know? I mean, I'm good fair play to Norwich, but did you also know that Norwich were pretty much the last team to have agreed on the £30 mm. ticket cap in the Premier League? So everyone else said that's fair enough on Norwich, actually. The mm. only one that's holding on to more expensive prices. But anyway, listen, let's come back to the game on Saturday. I just want to yeah. ask you, how do you think your guys will do? Like, I'm, I'm really not confident at the moment. I, I was actually surprised to see how low down the table you were because um, I've been putting... This, show, this shows my kind of lack of football knowledge. I've been putting Scott Hogan in the fantasy team every week and he's been banging the goals. And so I just assumed you'd been winning a lot of games. And then I looked and you haven't. And it was interesting to see we've been linked to Scott Hogan this week as well. So that might be a possible one. Um, but yeah, I'm not too confident. Uh, it's basically make or break for Alex Neal. So we'll see what he's got in the tank. If he loses, I think it's, uh, it's him out of the door. If he wins, he'll be given another few weeks. There's a huge, huge stakes on the line for Norwich City this weekend. Um, we'll see what balls we've got to try and get it over the line. But I want to go for a, for a 2-1 Brentford. 2-1 Brentford, and you, I mean, you mentioned Scott Hogan. Scott Hogan has, has said around there, apparently, that if he, if he goes anywhere, he's going to go to a Premier League team anyway. So it looks like Norwich are going to have to, to go up <laughs> if they're going to have to go hold of him. Um, I'm going to go for 2-1 to the Bees as well, myself. Yeah. Um, so listen, Jack, great to chat to you. Um, just yeah. to let you know as well, I've written the away fan interview in the official programme. I've gone official. Well, for oh, really? I've written some, yeah, oh, wow. so I've written some bits and pieces. So that'll be in the programme on Saturday. Um, so you could just check that out, and um, I'll give my thoughts there as well. And uh, also... 
as you know, I'll be in and around Norwich fairly early, actually, on Saturday, in various boozers, just kind of sort of like hanging out, having a bit of a laugh with maybe Brentford mates, and we'll be, uh, if anyone wants to see and notice who they are, we'll be the ones that will be actually carrying our own Brentford beer glasses around, just like a bunch of train spotters. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate, so catch up with you on Saturday. Yeah, nice one, mate. Thanks a lot for that. So, there you have it. Jack Reeve from Talk Norwich City. Um, he was fairly honest and uh, he, he's not that hopeful and he's, he's, he's a bit down in the dumps, isn't he, Sav? He is, yeah. I was very, very interested listening to him. I've actually met uh, Jack once when I went to Norwich. I met him in the pub. Nice chap. Um, I thought he was... Uh, yeah, he's, they're, they're kind of, Norwich are a strange club. They're, they're ready. You can tell from what he was saying. They're ready to ditch um, Alex Snill. Um, again, it's that big club mentality where if it doesn't go right every single moment, then they're ready to ditch people. And it was also interesting what he was talking about in terms of the, the fees they've paid for some the fees they have paid for some players. And you know, we know Pritchard eight million and uh, Canos, I think about two and a half, three million, and they're not even getting on the bench half the time. So let alone playing. So it's, it's actually, you know, I find that quite interesting. They, they are a big club, and it shows the disparity in this league from, you know, teams like Rotherham and us. And we have to put ourselves in that Rotherham bracket. Uh, and then you compare it to teams like Norwich and Newcastle, which get into the Premier League often, you know, and stay there for a few years and come back down and pop up again. And they're, they're a completely different mentality, and they're. they're it's a big club mentality, but it also has its faults. And pe- people moan at us for banging on about this, but parachute payments, it means everything. You know, you can say, oh, bloody Brentford, so ambitious, why aren't we doing it? You know, you've got 150 million quid, it, it transforms you. So anyway, yeah, back to Norwich on Saturday. Nick, it's, it's a big game, you know, it's a... Uh, it's a it's a game that we we always dreamt of, you know these these kind of fixtures. But we go there expecting what? Uh, I go there expecting uh, to have fun on the journey home because they do very. There's a pub that does real ale carryouts, um, so it'd be a good journey home. I'm expecting not a not a very good game actually. Um, Norwich haven't won the last five; they're pretty much in free fall. The players are falling out with the manager. Um, the team itself doesn't seem to be gelling. For us, um, where again we've been losing games, I'm actually not looking forward to much. Here we are, we must have about an hour and ten minutes into this podcast. I thought we were going to get away without mentioning Sergio Canos, but we failed. Um, sorry, but just hearing Sav say they paid two and a half million, he put that into context of maybe ten or my rather ambitious fifteen million pounds for Scott Hogan. And let's not go on about how we should have someone like him back in our team. It was the um, sale of the century from Norwich then. I don't know how to follow that. Um, like, mate, I'm not expecting a very good game up there. Um, I think both teams will be cautious and not want to lose it. That being said, Brentford don't really often play for draws these days. Um, one of the things I do like about our mentality is that we, you know, we, we do try and attack. So, you know, who knows? Well, let's see what happens. Nicholas Parsons, what do you think? <laughs> I don't think I've ever been introduced as Nicholas Parsons before. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, uh, so, so Canos Pritchard, um, a lot of people were upset we didn't pay the money that Norwich did pay for them. 
maybe there's some justification in, in, in us not paying that money, what we're seeing at the moment. So, you know, worth bearing that in mind. Um, you know, Norwich have lost five on the spin. That is, losing five games, it, that, that's quite a record, um, which is mildly worrying because that, you know, do you, you know, losing six on the spin just sounds extraordinary, especially for a side that at the time they started losing were in the top three. Um, so that's the bad news. Um, the good news is, of course, they haven't sacked Alex Neil this week. Because if they had a sacked Alex Neil, um, you know, we could pretty much be going up there guaranteeing that we were going to lose because there'd be a, some sort of replacement or whatever, and that club would be galvanised, and we'd, you know, we'd, we'd be struggling. So two clubs under a lot of pressure. Um, I think, you know, this, this it's a really important game for us. Um, so I'm hoping that we're going to get something out of it, um, sadly. And there's no reason why we shouldn't. I, it, it sounds like Alex Neil has lost the dressing room and, um, and they're the sort of teams you want to play. Uh, for me, um, I think that the pressure is all on Norwich, that the crowd are going to be expectant. Um, they, they're going to, they, they did it before we went there, they, they looked down on us. They're, they're expecting Brent, Brentford as an easy fixture for them. It, it isn't going to be an easy fixture for them. I think we can go there and we can tuck in. Um, I'm going to go around the table now and, and do the score predictions, but I'm going to, I'll start with me, in fact. I'm going to go um, 2-1 Brentford win. Um, I think Scotty Hogan will probably get both of them. I can't see goals coming from anywhere else. And I think it stokes up the Scotty Hogan debate even more. I'm going to go clockwise on this one. So 2-1 to Brentford is my prediction. The Allard, Allard. Um, I'm going to go... I, th- I just think it's too much to expect Norwich to lose six on the, uh, on the trot. So I'm going to go 2 all, 2 all. The Dutchman. Uh, any team managed by Alexander O'Neill uh, needs to be beaten, really, um, for obvious <laughs> musical reasons. Reference all previous comments at the start of the podcast about good music. Um, I never really like saying that we'll lose, so I think I'll, I'll also edge on the side of caution. But I can't see us losing, and I will go for 1-1. The Liberal on his penultimate, penultimate podcast. Next week, we have a Liberal farewell do where he'll be tarred, feathered and all sorts at wherever it is we decide to hold it but this is your and I've got a tear in my eye this is your penultimate prediction the Liberal can't wait for next week uh, nor can we <laughs> can't wait for next week More, uh, uh, rather than this game actually because I think it's two teams low on confidence, low on form it'll be nil-nil Savvy B I think it's two teams who'll be very happy with a one-one uh, draw because uh, I think a point for each will <coughs> achieve what both want to do. We want to stop our losing run; they want to stop their losing run. Uh, but I think it will be the end of uh, Alex Neil uh, anyway because lo- uh, drawing with Brentford isn't good enough for them. So there you have it, live from Twickenham at the Cabbage Patch, who've been great to us. The banging, the banging is about to start. You may be able to hear it in the background. I'm being banged off. Where we say to you, come on, So 
you, you might have received, um, if, well, if you've signed up anyway, you might have received a uh, notification of the uh, besotted Christmas social, the besotted bees up in a brewery, which is going to happen at the Fuller's Brewery. Um, uh, well, good news is it's sold out pretty much. Um, we've got some standby tickets. We're, we're desperately trying to get the capacity raised. Um, we, we, we reckon we might get another 20, maybe 25 spaces. The brewery tour tickets, they've, they've all gone. We're not going to be able to up those. Um, we've got Carl Hutchins, we've got um, Paul Gibbs, and we've got Richard Cadet um, as, our, as our three um, Brentford legends. Um, they're going to be talking in conversation with Besotted. We will be recording that as we did a few weeks ago on the first social. Um, so yeah, we're, we're we're pretty delighted about that. To be honest, you you know within well less than a week, so we we we've sold out. So again, if you if you're desperate to come, um, check out the Sighted website. Um, all the details are there. Um, but yeah, you, you're gonna have to put your name on the standby. So yeah, all, all good. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.